Hi everyone, welcome to Community Soulful. Today we'll be speaking with Erica Leon. She's a nutrition therapist. And the topic is, what is life like during midlife and menopause? Um, so we'll be asking some questions and have and hear from the expert herself. So uh, without further ado, Erica, what is midlife and what is menopause? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Gianna. Um, you know, midlife is really just what you think it is, like midlife. So generally, somewhere around 40, 40, 50. I like to think I'm midlife, but I'm 60. So, you know, um, it's, it's really a time that is challenging because people at midlife, I'm saying people, cause it's not just women, but people typically are going through what I call like the sandwich generation. You know, they may be having elderly parents that they're taking care of or worried about. They may have kids that they're worried about. And so it's, it's a time that we really sort of reevaluate, like, what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> what, you know, and, and you hear about this midlife crisis all the time, but I think it's a really a good time to evaluate, take stock of our lives. Um, menopause is a very, very natural, normal life cycle that happens to women or anyone, honestly, anyone with, with ovaries. Um, it's like a natural stage and it's the end of the child rearing a childbirth opportunity, you know, you stop having um, estrogen, which is what allows you to maintain a pregnancy. And it's, it's a time that people don't really talk about it much. It's people hear, you know, hear the word menopause, but I just want to make the point here. It's literally one day. Menopause is one day. Perimenopause is a process of time. It's usually somewhere three to five, even a few more years where your body is starting to decrease um, the production of estrogen, your ovaries start producing, um, releasing eggs, and it takes time. And along that period of time called perimenopause, our bodies have a lot of symptoms <laughs> they experience, and we don't talk about it. I never, no one ever told me, I just kind of ended up, I was having hot flashes, I was having mood swings, um, some people experience it more in, in a more challenging way than others. Um, not sleeping at night. Again, those mood swings are really very challenging. Um, having all kinds of weird sensations on your skin, having dry skin, being constipated. It goes on and on, like a lot of weird, really weird symptoms. And then eventually the, and also by the way, during this period of perimenopause, um, periods become a little bit irregular, either too longer or shorter, and eventually they cease. So menopause is literally the day that you've been without a period for, um, for 12 months, a full year. That's the menopause. And then everything beyond that is post-menopause. Oh, I know that's just a mouthful. Yeah, that is, that is a lot to learn because there's, you know, the menopause, the post-menopause, and then it, it's not, uh, it's not gradual. It's three to five years. So there's definitely a lot of information in there, um, especially midlife. Like whenever we think of like midlife, I'm glad that you brought the point up that everyone goes through midlife because like whenever, I mean, right now, my friends, are, we're all having this phase where we're asking each other, like, are you going through your quarter life crisis yet? <laughs> and um, I don't like think to ask my my brother, my twin brother that. And mm -hmm. it's it's really just so amazing that you brought into life. Like everyone has a midlife and uh, we need to respect that. We need to pay attention to that and also bring that to light. Um, of course, you know, it's an only women go through menopause really. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, that is interesting. But when it comes to menopause, how are women's bodies um, affected during and after menopause? 
Oh, I'm glad you asked that question because I think that the shifting and changing of our bodies is probably one of the most challenging aspects. And as I actually didn't mention it earlier. Um, and, and it's really, it's not just women that go through menopause, it's anyone who has ovaries. So, you know, anyone who might be non-binary who has um, female anatomy is gonna go, go through um, menopause. Um, but what happens is our shape starts to change. We start to gain a little bit of weight around the middle and it's really normal and it happens for several reasons. It has to do with hormonal shifts. It also has to do with, as we get older, we tend to lose a little bit of muscle tone, our metabolism slows down. And it's, you know, again, it's kind of normal part of aging. I mean, the things we can do to sort of help not prevent it, but not prevent it, because it's really very normal and natural, but it makes a lot of women really stressed out and really want to diet and, and honestly go on really um, sort of fad diets. And I end up in my personal practice as a dietitian who works with eating disorders, I end up seeing a lot of midlife women who've been you know, going through strict dieting who end up with disordered eating and eating disorders. So it's a time that's also vulnerable, kind of like um, adolescence when we tend to see more eating disorders and some of it is hormonally driven. It's kind of the same thing around menopause. So I'm very aware of that. And our bodies are changing and it's, it's we have body image issues all of a sudden, like, oh my God, it's like I, I, all the things that I did that used to keep my body a certain way, like I ate a certain way, I exercise a certain way. Now, nothing I do is making a difference. I'm gaining weight. So that is one of the things that happens. It's a big challenge for women um, during menopause. I hope that makes sense. That does. That does make sense. Especially I had no idea. I mean, when I thought of menopause, of of course, I thought of heat flashes and things like that, but I didn't know that your actual metabolism would change. And also, um, this is going to sound ignorant, but whenever I uh, thought about menopause, I associated it with like women, women only. um, And I didn't know like that, you know, non-binary people are able to have this and anyone that has female parts. um, That sounds horrible to actually say out loud, but it's the truth. And I feel like if I'm learning that, then maybe somebody else is. Um, No, it's, it's not, it's not everyone's. It's, it's, we, we just, we just don't know. And I say women, but I want to be more inclusive and say that, you know, anyone who's going to have, who has that anatomy is going to have this situation. Um, And so it's good to be aware of it. And, And anyone who is struggling, who might, you know, it's good for them to have the information. So I just put it out there. Yeah, absolutely. And and when it comes to, I know that we're talking a lot about a woman's body and how it's affected and especially with, um, you know, maybe not wanting to gain weight, gaining weight, but, but of course that may absolutely have something or a strain on their self-esteem, but can you talk more about, you know, personality changes after menopause and maybe how it affects your self-esteem, things like that? What else is expected after, you know, just the body changes? Yeah, well, at first, I just want to say that obviously every single person is different. Every single person handles it differently. And even, you know, within different communities, um, menopause is approached differently. Um, so, like, I'll just say for me, like, I'm 60, 62. My personality didn't really change, but I think um, going through the process was really stressful. Um, having your body change, gaining weight. Um, I'm going to, you know, I, I, I think I think you're going to ask about sex, and I want to make a point about that, because along with menopausal changes comes dryness. Dryness in your entire body. 
dry mouth, dry skin, your vagina gets dry. And I say that and like people don't talk about this at all. And, and people suffer. Um, having sex can become painful. The skin becomes dry and, and penetration is, is hard. And so it's important to be able to talk to someone about it, to talk to a doctor, to get this medication that's available. Um, and you know, also for just overall symptoms of perimenopause, there are medications that are very, very effective. So I want anyone hearing this to, to not be afraid to ask the question and to bring it up. There's also, oh my God, there's so many weird things that happen. I was gonna say, if it's, you know, vaginal dryness, um, vaginal prolapse. Um, it's, again, it's so important to be able to talk to your doctor, a, a gynecologist or someone, you know, anyone who you trust to really be able to share this information and get the help you need. So thank you for asking those questions. Yeah, and I, before recording, obviously nobody heard, you know, pre-recording, but we were talking about, um, you know, gynecologists and, and picking the right one for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do like that you brought up, like, speak with your gynecologist because I had verbatim told you, I don't like speaking with my gynecologist and there's not many things that, I, that I'm interested in telling him. So that's on my to-do list after this call. Well, let me, yeah, let me just tell you, honestly, you know, I did not get this information from my gynecologist. I learned this after the fact when I was suffering. And I want, I want people to hear that, you know, you're going to have changes to your body. Your vagina is going to get dry. It's going to be challenging. Sex is going to be uncomfortable. Talk to your doctor before it happens so you can get the information. You can get medication. There's so many different things to do. Lubrication, again, it's important to talk about it and not be embarrassed and not be ashamed. Um, incontinence happens when, it, and, and like for a third of women going through menopause, um, they're gonna find that they're incontinence, like hard to jump up and down without like peeing a little bit. Like you need to talk about that. I know it sounds embarrassing, but honestly, talk about it because there are things to do. This pelvic floor therapy. Again, it's about having the conversation and not being embarrassed. And if you're uncomfortable talking to your doctor, find another one. That's my best piece of advice. Find another one. I had to go through several of them until I found someone I'm comfortable with. And for me well, personally, I wanted to speak to a woman, not a, not a man. Um, right. I, right. I, I mean, I understand that. Um, but, um, and, and you're right, this is uncomfortable and it's something that no one talks about. Um, and, and that's why we're talking about it, bringing it to life. And I'm glad that you brought up you know, the experience of sex after menopause, um, because, and the vaginal dryness and, you know, being able to, um, work with someone on your pelvic floor and the things that you may or may not be able to do, but also like, what is the level of enjoyment? Like, does the level of enjoyment increase? Does it decrease? What are the most common, I guess, you know, post-menopause experiences with sex? You know, those experiences are as varied as a human being is. <laughs> so, I mean, we know that sex is really about what's, you know, between your ears, if it is in your head, it's not in your vagina. So it's, yeah, um, that's true. Um, things, it, it really depends on your relationship. I, I have to say, I mean, certainly um, women can enjoy sex, you know, way into their later years, you know, we, we are still sexual beings. And I want to make that point. X can absolutely be enjoyable, but it's most, for me, it's most important to talk about, you know, communication, communicating with your partner or by the way, communicating with yourself, you know, for someone who doesn't have a partner, I want them to hear this, find yourself some toys because 
keeping the tissue supple, like this, this thing I talked about dryness in the vagina and this, um, you know, potential leakage, but it's, it's a syndrome, it's called genitourinary syndrome of menopause, where there is some atrophying of the tissue and the pelvic floor. And so maintaining good blood flow to the area is going to be very important and very effective. So um, if you don't have a partner, you can certainly have, um, you know, enjoyable sex with yourself. Um, I want everyone to hear that. You're allowed to be a sexual being way past menopause. Women are living like 90 and, and longer. So we got many, many years of, of enjoying our life and being a sexual being. Absolutely. And there's a certain amount of power that comes with not having to worry about becoming pregnant and um, being at a different place in life, having some wisdom. It's a, it's a different experience than, than being younger. I highly recommend it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, um, that, that's noted and good to know. And I would absolutely hope that, you know, after, you know, the twenties, the thirties, and even the forties that it's not over yet. Um, so, so I, I like that, but as we're um, moving on, I know that, you know, even before recording, we were talking a lot about how people are, you know, now getting weight. It's not just a menopause thing, especially because of COVID-19. So um, when it comes to, you know, the, I guess, maybe body dissatisfaction that people will have or body image um, and how it's disordered after menopause, how can women, you know, not just really accept their new bodies, but also make peace with food after menopause? So that is something that I do a lot. That is my, that is a big part of what I do in my, in my work um, is helping women to feel comfortable in their here and now bodies and really try to shift the focus from trying to obsess about shrinking the body to accepting your body as it is and working to make it the best it can be. And so I practice something called health at every size, which is a non-diet approach because we know that diets don't work. Diet culture causes eating disorders, body dissatisfaction. Diet culture is rooted in patriarchy and racism. And I could go on and on and on. I want to empower women to challenge diet culture and to accept their here and now body. There are things you can do outside of trying to diet to feel better in your body. Things like moving, like we know that exercise, and I like to call it gentle movement, is a very effective way of feeling good in your body and feeling powerful. Um, trying to eat, I'm going to put quotations healthy because it's so many different versions of what healthy means, but we know that eating fruits and vegetables can be really good for our body, good for our digestion. Um, getting enough sleep, working on stress management, those are the things that I try to help the women I work with to um, to work on in themselves and shift the focus away from going on the diet, shift the focus away from thinking about your body and weight loss to focusing on these behaviors that we actually can control. We can control whether we move or not. Um, but, you know, I just want to say within, within the limitations of our bodies, obviously, if we're, um, you know, if someone is not able to walk, certainly that's walking is not the right exercise for them. So to be respectful of, of, of where the person is, um, but yeah, to focus on behaviors that are within our control. Yeah, I hope that makes sense. That does make sense. I mean, I mean, when it comes to food, just focus on the behaviors that are in your control. And really, I mean, I guess what you're trying to, to say or, or what the way how I interpret it is, um, when it comes to making peace with food, it's not necessarily about, you don't have to say, you don't have to all of a sudden like do diets because when 
when the goal is weight loss, it's not really attainable because that in a way distracts weight from health. So really what you should be doing is just doing what feels right to you and what feels good to your body. Um, And I guess when it comes to food itself, it's not necessarily that you should be choosing certain foods or should not be choosing other foods. It's just that you really have to do what makes you feel best and what makes you feel empowered. Um, Whether that means, you know, changing the way how you eat and not necessarily dieting or I guess just changing your movement um, and adding more of that joyful movement or gentle movement. So I do like that answer. Um, I, I think it really does hit on not just you know, making peace with food, but making peace with your body. And also um, just like that you highlighted the fact on gentle movement, joyful movement, because we live in like, of course, as you know, a very toxic culture, like a very, very toxic fitness culture where how many times do I open my Instagram and I see a girl that like looks, you know, absolutely nothing like me. And that's like my idea of beauty. And it's like a really tall white girl that like, you, you know, it's probably like five, 10 and like 110 pounds. And, and that's like what we idealize and symbolize as beauty. And I think that um, that's definitely have to, has to come to an end. Like we need to enjoy joyful movement. We need to enjoy gentle movement and we need to stop putting this image in our heads and live in this toxic environment where it's like, did you sweat today? Did you work out today? It's, it needs to be more of an enjoyable, enjoyable um, ride because it's a short ride. So Absolutely. Can I make a point about the food? Because yes, we definitely talked about movement, but the food, like as a dietitian, you know, at once upon a time, I gave people diets, like that's what I did. But I've been practicing for so many years, 35 years, I've been a dietitian. And what I've learned is that number one, there's no perfect way to eat, like people have different, um, different experiences of, of their culture. Um, people eat differently in different parts of the world. And who are we to say that, you know, eating, you know, just like, I'm just thinking about like avocado toast, like who's to say that that's the right way to eat. We know that having like a variety of foods, having fiber, um, vegetables, whole grains, like we know those are healthy ways to eat. Like probably everyone's listening to this knows what a healthy diet really is, but it can be varied. And what I, what I really object to, I object to people really struggling with you know, going on a fad diet, going on, I'm on keto, I'm doing intermittent fasting. Like that is just not good for your body. Weight loss attempts do not work. Bodies like to be at a certain place. We have genetic set point weights and, you know, our bodies do change as we get older. Um, but we have to be respectful of what is, what is, what's our genetics? Are our bodies meant to be tiny or are we meant to be, you know, in a rounder body. Like I always say, look to your ancestors. What did your grandmother's body look like? What does your mother look like? What does your uncle look like? But it, thinking back, like my grandmother, both of them were like round and I'm a little bit round. It's like, no, no, you know, it makes sense. That's my genetics. <laughs> so oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. It's sometimes it really is just all out to genetics. And, and, you know, I'm so grateful that you that were able to, you know, talk about this and bring up all these topics. And I, I wanted to ask you as a last question to conclude the podcast that right now, you know, there's plenty of people listening and if they're struggling with menopause or their midlife crisis, what best piece of advice could you give to them? The number one thing I'm going to say, and this really is around this pandemic we've been experiencing, people are struggling and there, there's going to be a mental health crisis, you know, going on. It's not just now, 
And I would say the best piece of advice was if, you, if you're struggling, find someone to talk to, find a therapist to talk to, find a friend to talk to. If you're having nutritional struggles, like I'm seeing a lot of people with disordered eating and eating disorders, um, find a therapist, find a dietitian like myself to help you with making choices you know, with food and feeling better in your body. Um, but help is out there. You don't have to suffer alone. That's what I really want everyone to hear. Don't be afraid to reach out for help. Everyone deserves help. I really appreciate that help is out there. Don't be afraid to suffer suffer alone. And that's really why I created Community Soulful. Just bring individuals like yourself to light with um, so much of your expertise and, you know, just so much of your courage that are able to speak about topics like this. So Erica, thank you so much for being on this podcast today. Um, and I'm going to have all of your information up on the Community Soulful Instagram, as well as the podcast. Um, it's going to go live and... Uh, just wanted to say thank you for making the time for us today. Thank you so much, Gianna. This has been a pleasure. Great.